Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network is changing the way that Chicago connects with programming like Giving Chicago Ex-Offenders a Fresh Start with Charles Hardwick and Antoine Day coming up Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be sure to tune in on Monday nights at 7 p.m. for Chicago Street Journal, an urban news broadcast with host Ron Carter, publisher and editor of Chicago's newest media voice. Interested in sponsoring an upcoming show or joining our team? Give us a call at 773-609-2226, 773-609-2226. For more information, visit Chicago's, that's Chicago with an S, Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com. This is Sonia Cassandra Purdue, Executive Producer. Do you have student debt? We offer neither debt refinancing nor consolidation. What we offer is student debt obliteration. How? Freelancing your way out of debt. Become a freelancer on our site, mohican.biz. Only those owing student debt and residing in the U.S. can register. Any company or individual can post jobs on the site. Furthermore, mohican.biz strives to bring those individuals still carrying student loan debt together with those institutions who educated them, as well as those who provided the financing to make their education possible. Thus, we will promote our registered freelancers with banks, universities, and many other organizations, including the federal government. The idea is for these institutions to outsource work by posting jobs at mohican.biz, to which our registered freelancers would then apply. Please visit mohican.biz for more information. That's mohican.biz. Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Hello, I am Hope Russell Noonke. I published my debut novel, released on November 15, 2014. I thought about writing a novel for a long time, but once I put my mind to it, the process itself took just a little more than one year. It was the National Novel Writing Month that uh, got me into gear. Also known as NaNoWriMo, the program provides forums and resources for writers trying to put 50,000 words to page within a single month's time. Now, I'm a mother of four who works full-time and takes on too many volunteer responsibilities. So NaNoWriMo gave me the kind of structure, support, motivation uh, that it took to convert my vision to reality. Releases a novel that explores how people find themselves feeling alienated and alone uh, and how they can find their way back from that place. Every character in the novel experiences loneliness in some form. What each character has in common is a certain stubbornness that closes off ways of understanding the world and gets in the way of genuinely connecting with the people in their lives. Mandolin Ziegel is the main character. We soon learn that she has been depressed and directionless for more than three years following a second trimester miscarriage. Her husband, Henry, has tried everything to help her through the pain, even while dealing with his own feelings of loss. We learn that Mandolin has been trying out a free online counseling 
system, which involves journaling to an anonymous counselor and getting short, careful writing prompts back in return. The prompts are designed to make her analyze her thoughts and feelings more deeply and reach her own conclusions. Henry discovers her journals, which he's disappointed to find are little more than petty complaints about his character and nostalgic retellings of high school and college romances. He feels jealousy, but he also feels dejected because she hasn't shared these thoughts or feelings with him. Henry is a character who, for his entire life, has lived on the edges of society. His parents were both biracial, his mother being Dutch-American and St. Martiner, his father having a Netherlands Dutch and Cape Verdean, also known as Cabo Dutch, heritage. After his father abandoned the family a year after his birth, Henry and his mother struggled financially moving from one marginal living arrangement to another in South Milwaukee while working whatever menial jobs each could manage to find and hold down. Henry manages to get out, get a degree in architecture, even earning a master's in engineering and architecture from the Illinois Institute of Technology. Throughout his life, he took pride in having, in his words, never having checked a box. His mother, embittered by how the circumstances of her life played out, denied Henry any identification with his African heritage. She, being more lightly complected than Henry, passed for white. Henry never attempted to purposefully dissuade anyone regarding his race, but he vowed never to exploit it for any academic or professional advantage. When the recession hit at the tail end of the last decade, the architectural firm he'd worked for since graduation increased the pressure they'd put him under for years. They'd always encouraged him to act as the president of a subsidiary that would qualify for minority and disadvantaged business affiliation. These designations would make the firm eligible for set-aside contracts and open opportunities to work with public sector clients who would be out of reach otherwise. When he finally gives in, Henry feels emasculated, as if everything he'd worked for throughout his life had amounted to nothing compared to the color of his skin. The pressures of the workplace, combined with the tension in his relationship with his wife, pushed him to the breaking point. In the first chapter of the book, Henry set to making things right starting with his marriage. Before I read that chapter to you, I want to let you know that release can be purchased a number of ways. It is available on Amazon and all other major online retailers. It can be procured by any brick and mortar bookstore by request. And it is appearing on more shelves every day. I'm working to have release on every library's shelf. If it is not at your local library, ask for it. Best of all, you can order custom inscribed and autographed copies of the novel by ordering directly through me. Visit www.hopenunki.com slash buy to get your own copy today. And now, 
This is the first chapter of my novel, Release. Friday, November 11th. Everyone knows how it feels to be caught. Sweat dampens your forehead when flashing lights appear in your rearview mirror. Palpable dread descends when a teacher taps you on the shoulder. Your stomach sinks when you hear mom or dad holler from the porch. As I crossed my threshold that night, nothing in my home felt level or square. The parallel and perpendicular lines of tables and picture frames, of banisters and stair treads, all felt askew. The dogs didn't meet me at the door. The light was all wrong, and my vision wavered at the periphery. Sleet pelted against the window, yet the room felt silent. And there he was, with my laptop open, the screen facing me. Henry sat motionless, facing away. Where have you been? he rasped, without turning around. The storm, traffic, I mumbled. The drive back from Chicago had taken more than three hours, a distance that rarely took a third of that in good weather. He looked my way. His eyes were dead and forlorn. Mandolin, where have you been? Come and tell me, he said, patting the cushion beside him. I shed my long black parka over the railing and my bags at the foot of the stairs. Then I circled the sofa to sit beside him. Where are Frank and Lloyd? I asked. But as soon as the words were out of my mouth, I remembered. Oh, shit. Daycare. Unfazed, he continued. I had to use your computer. I caught an early train to avoid the crowds. I didn't want to haul an ice-crusted backpack through the train station. I needed to work, but I couldn't find the tablet. I have it, I said, beginning to rise, but he stopped me with his right hand over mine. What is CBC? Who is Morgan? And one more time, where have you been? My eardrums began to vibrate as if a church bell had been struck inside my head. My hands felt icy and my knees started to shudder. My intestines filled with stands and my, my jaw locked. As much as I wanted to look away, I stared into Henry's dilated pupil. You know what I found, obviously, he continued. I still want your answer. CBC is Chevalier Virtual Counseling, I managed to say, finally. Morgan is a screen name of a CBC counselor. I started the program a month ago. I write to Morgan, and Morgan writes back with questions. No advice, just questions. Enlightening, he answered in the same detached tone. Tell me more about Morgan. I know nothing about Morgan, I stammered. It's not even a single person. It's a gender-neutral screen name that's used by whoever's on duty when my message arrives. A stranger, actually a team of strangers, knows more about you than you've allowed me to know for nearly four years. 
fascinating, he droned. I began to say, please don't think of it that way. Don't you dare, he said without raising his voice, yet each word abraded his throat so coarsely that I grasped my own in sympathetic pain. He coughed to regain his composure. I will not be told what to do, what to say, or how to feel about this. I was silent, so he continued. I read online that my wife, for whom I would do anything, for whom I have been patiently present and available, as you meander through near clinical mania and depression, even as you cast off every offer of kindness and support, that my wife has maligned and rejected me, preferring to pour over the memories of a gay high school boyfriend's best friend and a college hookup instead of living in the present. Then I learned that your pen pal is an androgynous internet avatar. How do you think I feel, Mandolin? That's when I said the thing I shouldn't have said. You'd be right at home feeling like a martyr, I think. He deserved to be furious. He deserved to be wrathful. I wanted him to be. That I could handle. I knew how to respond to rage. All he did was purse his lips, exhale, take a slow sip of his coval white rye, and set it on the table. He wasn't using a coaster. Why do you hate me so much? He finally continued. What have I done to deserve this much loathing? Not take Frank and Lloyd to the vet when I work downtown and you work five minutes away? Clean up after you? Handle the finances? Build you a house? This house has been here since 1856. I argued. This flustered him. You're right, Mandolin. I didn't build you a house. I made this house our home. We came here to be a family. Children, no children. We came here to move forward together. I thought that's what you wanted, what we wanted, what we planned for, what you planned for, Henry. Where was I when you were making plans, when you were holed away in your office fussing with magazine clippings, architectural drawings, budgets, and to-do lists? That's what I'm asking you, Mandolin. Where have you been? You checked out almost four years ago. It will be four whole years in February. I understand why. Our, I grieve our loss, too. The way I grieve, it doesn't look like your way. But I lost Theodore that day, too. That took me aback a bit. I couldn't remember the last time I had heard Henry say our son's name. How could you possibly know how I feel, Henry? I asked. Mine is real, actual loss, for which I am solely responsible I'm so sorry that your charts and your graphs didn't give you a son. I really am. 
I should really give you credit. In fact, there isn't anything else you could have done. You did everything right. But what about me, Henry? How would you feel if you could have read some article or if you could have analyzed some report that would have kept your son from dying inside me? Henry rose and walked into the kitchen with his glass. I thought he was going to refill it. Instead, he threw it against what sounded like the stainless steel refrigerator. Shards of glass and cubes of ice skittered across the tiled floor. With perfect calm, Henry then returned. Thank you, Mandolin. For so long I've wondered whether it was me you couldn't stand or yourself. Thank you for solving that mystery. How do you expect me to respond to a statement like that? God forbid that you, the preeminent public relations professional who knows exactly what to tell the world on behalf of anyone else, no matter how complex the issue or how dreadful the circumstance, that you respond with a simple statement about yourself. I really used to admire your courage, Mandolin. I adored how fearlessly you stood up to injustice, how you would conceive an idea and run with it, commit to it, sell it, persuade the most obstinate, set in their ways, sticks in the mud of the power of dreams, the power of passion. You set your intentions and pursued them against all odds. Where did she go, Mandolin? Because she isn't here. And she hasn't been for a long damn time. I miss her so much I ache. What can I do to bring her back? I don't know, I said, choking up. I'm not entirely sure she exists anymore. No, that's not true. I, I don't think I could live in a world where that's possible. You still have ideas and Dreams inside you, waiting to be discovered. You have great things yet to accomplish if you could only believe in yourself again. I won't be a party to a waste of so much potential. I don't know where you've been or where you are, he continued. But I can own my part of the responsibility for you being lost. I sat back and watched this happen. Letting you subsist on routine and complacency. We're partners. No matter what happens, I'm always going to be a partner to you. From the moment we met, you challenged me to get outside my comfort zone. You taught me that it is okay to imagine and to build my reality from the products of that imagination. I've always wondered what you saw in me. I was just happy that you let me stand in your sunshine. He turned away, addressing empty space, then speaking to himself. The underpinning that my care and devotion were supposed to provide hasn't been enough to bolster you. I don't think that where we've found ourselves has much to do with Theodore, even. He isn't the reason I failed you. 
Our losing him just brought that failure into stark relief. I don't know if I have it in me to give you what you need. God knows I've tried. I've made a decision. I have to release you. I have to let you go, Mandolin. My muscles ached from how stiffly I had held myself upright as Henry poured himself out before me. My circulation had stopped, my breath was shallow, and my core temperature was, I was sure, five degrees below normal. I opened my mouth to speak, but there were no sounds. I cleared my throat and finally managed to say, Can I ask you something? Sure. He said. How many entries did you read? Did you read them all? I stopped after you finished mooning over your first time with Sam. You have a real penchant for detail, Mandolin. I have to hand it to you. Felt like I was there. If, in all honesty, and I can't believe I'm saying this, he continued, I think that this virtual counseling may actually be doing you some good. I could tell that you had begun to sort some things out for yourself. But here's the thing, Mand. I don't want to read those things about you. I want you to tell me yourself. If you're not able to give that part of yourself to me, I think we may be through. If you can't be your genuine self with me, then nothing else can really follow. I release you. Go. Find yourself. See if something or someone in your past or in your future holds the keys to your happiness. Maybe you'll find that you have what you need somewhere inside you. If you don't live this life fully, Mandolin, it, it won't be on my account. I think you know I love you, but if the character of my love doesn't fulfill you, I don't have anything else to offer. I'm going to bed. Think about what I've said. Stay here tonight, of course, but I don't think it's a good idea for you to remain for very long. You have a lot of work to do, and I'll just get in the way. As he left, I sat statue still. Looking at my reflection in the picture window, I could see that my hair was limp, my face was gaunt, my eyes were haunted, and my shoulders were stooped. I didn't look like a person with potential for anything but mediocrity. I sure as hell didn't look like someone who'd inspire people to pursue dreams of their own. Henry was right. I was lost, adrift. And the last mooring in my life had just been taken away. I wanted to cry. For all the fits and episodes of the last several weeks, when tears had come without warning, why couldn't I cry now? I needed a release. Henry was right about that. But I didn't need it in the way he had given it to me. I needed to escape the walls that I had built around myself and stopped behaving like a defenseless coward. Not tonight, however. 
I laid myself down, reaching for the oatmeal wool blanket across the back of the couch, and in a beetle ball, rested my eyes and willed sleep to come. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you also to Sonia Perdue, the CEO and founder uh, at Chicago's Black Business Network, for this opportunity to reach you. Uh, look for me on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, let's continue this conversation.